When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. from Townsend inviting Henderson to go on and he's got three for company Adam Lallana's back here here's Jack Wilshire oh, I might just be better than the first one smashed home by Wilshire what about this hey listen he's took responsibility tonight from the first whistle in pinching the ball back for his team in trying to get him on the front foot going forward in making the numbers up getting up in the box in and around the edge of the 18 yard box wow that's a stunning strike Really is a fabulous goal that. He deserves it. He's been England's best player. Kiara and welcome to episode 17 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. Woohoo, Sam, you're back. I missed you, buddy. And, ooh, what's that shiny thing on your left hand? Well, Sean, I missed you too. And yes, that's right, dear listener. As you will have heard on last week's show, I was away last week getting married in Kefalonia. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm sorry, but you can put away your love letter books and your posters of me in my back-of-the-net T-shirt. Take them off your wall. Sadly, I'm unavailable. Oh, wah, wah, wah. But, uh, Sam, can I still keep that special poster up? Um, yeah, you can do. And you know what, Sean? I'm wearing that very same T-shirt today as well. What are you wearing? I am wearing also, actually, the Eddie Had a Dream T-shirt, the Back of the Net exclusive T-shirt that you, listener, can find out how you can own later on in the show. But, Sam, congratulations to you. Well done on signing that bit of paper. Someone else who signed that bit of paper this week is someone who's been dubbed as Bournemouth's biggest ever signing. New signing? Bournemouth? I mean, you know I've been away, so I am slightly out of the loop, but... My, my God, we haven't re-signed Steve Jones, have we? <laughs> oh, Sam, I would love it if we re-signed Jonesy. Oh, imagine him banging those goals away. But alas, no, but oh, interesting. So you obviously didn't hear the intro to the show, the special one, because, well, you were doing your hair. But I'm going to tell you in a little while, Sam. I'm going to keep you waiting to find out about this big news. But before that, I'm going to tell you what's coming up this week on Back of the Net. We'll be deliberating over Bournemouth's 1-1 draw with Crystal Palace, as well as hearing your fan thoughts as the Cherries manage to bag their first points of this Premier League season. When I say points, I mean point. Yep, and Sean will be in his beautiful news booth bringing us all the information from a very busy Dean Court in this week's Club News. Sam will be giving us his online review of the past seven days on Twitter, and wow, there's been a lot to cogitate. Plus, we'll be talking about this week's transfer window, where AFC Bournemouth saw some outs, but also, so I've been told, a major in. But before all that, let's do another Do You Remember, where Sean provides us with some clues of a Boscombe player from yesteryear. Hmm... This player was born on the 1st of January 1992 in Stevenage and initially started out his youth progression with Luton Town before moving to a Premier League club's youth academy.
At the age of 15, he was made captain of this club's under-16 youth team and in that same year even made some appearances in the under-18 side. He made his professional debut in the Premier League in September 2008, aged just 16 years and 256 days. He has won the FA Cup two times as well as one Community Shield. He's a central midfielder who has currently made 34 appearances for England. Okay, there you go, listener, the first of the new season of Do You Remember? And later on in the show, there might be some new music for certain features, but Arna Brun is still sticking with Do You Remember? Such a great song. And Sam, question is, do you remember? Uh, this is really weird. Um, this guy has played for AFC Bournemouth, well, are you saying? he's kind of played in... Training. Oh, go on. I, 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 I'm sorry. I can't keep it any longer. <laughs> Sammy, you obviously didn't hear the intro to the show because you were busy doing your hair. I'm going to break the news to you. Listener, I hope you got the do you remember. I can't keep it any longer. We signed Jack Wilshire, Sam. Jack Wilshire, the actual Jack You're Wilshire. The Jack. Are you talking about the uh, the Arsenal player, the, the England player, the, the beer drinker that is Jack Wilshire? That's right, Sammy. And it's not like he's 38 and at the end of his career either. But we'll talk more about that transfer later on. For now, let's get back on track by listening to your thoughts on Bournemouth's match last weekend at Crystal Palace. But first, we'll be catching up with the match summary from Five Lives' Chris Jones. I just wanted to stop it there. We've had enough of that background tune, haven't we? We had it for the fans' thoughts for every match last season. So this season I thought we're going to mix it up. So from this show onwards, we're going to be using a topical song to maybe explain the previous match. We kicked it off this week and on Twitter, the contribution comes from Cherry's fan Andy Clark, who thought this song title might be appropriate. It's from electronic artist Active Child, and the track is called Hanging On. Yes, both sides winning their first point of the season. Palace left it seriously late to salvage a draw they thoroughly deserved. Bournemouth led early. King's goal, smart one as well. Ten minutes in, Palace should have levelled after 20, but Kabai's penalty was saved by Boric. And if Bournemouth bossed the first half, the second half was overwhelmingly dominated by the home side. As many as ten good chances were spurned, some of them sitters. Zahar came off the bench and was excellent. But just as it looked certain that Palace were going to slump to a third straight 1-0 defeat, Captain Scott Dan popped up in the 93rd minute to head past Boric and instantly turned the atmosphere inside Selhurst Park from disgruntled to delirious. Hi, it's John from Ferndown. Really disappointing to obviously lose that goal at the end, but overall so much more positive after the end of that game than I was from the West Ham game. First half attacking... So much better. Wilson getting involved. King, Fraser much even better. Um, just need to get Ibe going a bit more, I think. But uh, And then second half, Boric is looking fantastic at the moment. Uh, we were defending for our lives when we had to. The only disappointing thing from defensive wise, I think we just didn't do enough to stop the crosses. Um, I think hopefully Eddie will see that because so many came into the box. It was only a matter of time until we conceded from one. It was just a shame we couldn't get that second goal in the first half. Overall, like I said, though, so much positive and really looking forward to the West Brom game after the international break. Perfect way for us to get our first win at home. Cheers. Oh, 
it's it's happened again. We've we've done it again. Yeah, it's I'm I'm really not happy now. <laughs> Three games in, we've owned, we've we've got our first point of the Premier League season, and. Quite frankly, we were heading on for three points, our first win of the Premier League season, until we bottled it, 93rd minute. Um, and quite frankly, a deserved bottle, because quite frankly, Crystal Palace, pressing, 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 great. If we were, if Boric were in form today, we could have lost 3-4-1. Who knows? <laughs> And as always, thank you very much for the fan thoughts. The last one there was from Matt with his quite frank opinions of the game. Now, Scott Dan's injury time equaliser gave Crystal Palace their first point of the season against AFC Bournemouth. The Eagles looked like falling to a third successive defeat before Dan headed home Jason Punchin's cross to give them what the media call a deserved leveller. Josh King gave AFC Bournemouth an early lead when he finished well from Harry Arter's pass. Now, Palace midfielder Johan Kabai saw a penalty well saved by Arter Boric as well. Christian Benteke made his debut for Crystal Palace, but both teams remain winless in the league this season as they shared the spoils. Now, the track, as I said for this, was from Active Child and it was called Hanging On. Uh, and Sean, that exactly seemed to be what Bournemouth were doing by the end of the match. Yeah, like if ever there was a game of two halves, then this was definitely a game of two halves. It was it was almost like it was, you know, those preseason friendlies where you play one team in the first half and another team in the second half. It kind of felt like that, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. Now, in terms of the Bournemouth lineup, it was exactly the same team that started against West Ham. Uh, there were a few things that I think uh, are questionable. Well, this is judging from opinion on Twitter. Ryan Fraser starting. Um, Callum Wilson, after what people are saying was a bit of a poor show against the Hammers. Um, what did you make of the starting eleven? Well, yeah, kind of. And we talked. I talked about this with Rob last week, especially like with Wilson, was that he doesn't seem to be in great form and maybe not great on confidence. But I think for me, with strikers, sometimes you just kind of have to play through it. And we know he's got the quality. He's got it. Still looks like he's still getting back into the flow of things. And I don't know. Afobe has been on been put on the bench a bit, and I don't think that's necessarily helped. So. I can totally see why we're just going to run with it and see how it goes. Um, there were some really nice link-ups between Wilson and King, which we didn't really see at the start of last season because King wasn't really in great form, but kind of now is. Uh, Ryan Fraser, I think, again, needs to have a good run. I mean, Eddie's spoken about Fraser saying that he's always been a great young potential player. Now he needs to step up and be a great player. And the only way he's going to do that is by learning. So I'm okay with that. I'm happy with Fraser getting a good run. I can see why he wants to keep it kind of steady. So yeah, yeah no, I can, I can see why he did it. Well, it was certainly a good start, wasn't it? After about 11 or 12 minutes, um, a good composed finish from Josh King. I think I think we had a free kick, which was cleared, and then it, it fell to Harry Arter outside the box, who just kind of lobbed it into the path of Josh King, who, who did really well, actually. It's, um, it's not an easy finish, but he took it down on his chest and uh, right-footed into the bottom left-hand corner, the far post, and uh, it was a well-deserved lead by the sounds of it. Yeah, it was. We started off really well, just looked really confident and kind of keeping the ball well, which, to be fair, we kind of, I think we we did, particularly against Manchester United at the start of the Manchester United game, I think we also kind of looked pretty composed. So in that respect, I think we looked pretty good. Eddie had spoken about the home fans and trying to keep them quiet. And, you know, our style of play can suit us when we're away from home in terms of getting the home fans frustrated. And, yeah, a totally deserved lead. Um Great vision from Harry. For, I mean, it drops to him on the outside. We could have seen him try to have a shot or something, but just the little cushion pass to King. But, I mean, King still had a hell of a lot to do to chest it, open his body up, smash it in the bottom corner. 
that's the Joshua King we're now seeing. And I'm just glad to see him get underway because I still think he's going to get a lot of goals for us this year. Yeah, so it wasn't long uh, before there was a chance for Palace to equalise. And uh, I, I didn't actually hear about this new ruling, but apparently refs are getting uh, much tougher on shirt pulling. And that was what happened, basically. Christian Benteke drew the foul, but it wasn't really foul. Charlie Daniels had hold of his shirt and uh, the referee spotted it straight away and pointed to the spot. Were you uh, aware, well, you know, before Saturday of this of this new Premier League ruling? Yeah, I had. I had been aware of it, and and um, on match of day, they'd been talking about it, and there'd been a series of different penalties given over the opening few weekends. Again, consistency still doesn't seem to be there. There seems to be some refs that are giving it a lot, others that aren't. Um, so in that respect, it, it's still a bit frustrating. But um, yes, under the new rules, I mean, when you see it in slow mo, yep, you can see he's clearly pulling the shirt. He shouldn't be doing it. It's a penalty. I mean, in real time, it was like, what's he blown for? What's, mm. what's he given it? But you can't really complain. I think Daniels has come out and said, yep, OK, it was. But then, you know, the big pole in the goal, third time in a row. We need to just pause on that for a second. Goalkeeper yeah. saving his last three penalties is sterling work. Yeah. What would you say? I mean, if the keeper goes the other way, and the ball goes in the back of the net, which it would have done, obviously, people say, great penalty. But it, it wasn't a great penalty. It wasn't very wide, was it? It was a good height. But, uh, you know, explain his technique. What's he doing? Because from when I see Boric, from, I'm not a goalkeeper, but from from the way I sort of analyse it, he kind of shimmies as if he's going to go to the left, and then he dives to the right. And I'm just wondering whether Kabai sees that first because I know they're looking at the keeper when they're taking these penalties I wonder whether he sees the little shimmy and thinks right that's where he's going but then puts it into the wrong spot I don't know I mean with penalties being being a goalkeeper a, a huge amount of it is is mind games and it's that pre-stuff I, I always do this thing which drives referees mad is that when the guy's placing the ball on the spot I always make sure I'm standing on the six yard line so that once they've placed the ball and they look up, the first thing they see is me with a little goal behind them, just as a little stupid thing. But it's just a mind game thing because you look up and you don't see the whole goal. Some goalkeepers kind of sink back into the net and I just think it makes the goal look massive and gives confidence to the striker. So it's all about that. So yes, some goalkeepers will point one corner. Some people will do that little shimmy to say they're going to go the other way. I think professional penalty takers now I think they know what they're going to do and they're just going to do it but I think also we need credit for our scouts and our research network because you know Boric would have had his iPad the night before which would have given him a rundown of penalty takers free kick takers it would have had Kabai's last however many penalties and he's missed a fair few I think so you kind of then put all that together and then sometimes you just go do you know what I just his run-up looks like he's going to come across the ball. I'm just going to go. I mean, for me, what was just as impressive as the fact he got his hands on it was the fact he gave it a good clearance away. Because often yeah. you see those, you make the save, it parries back and they stick it in the corner. So for me, it's one, it's the, the research, the mind games, the dive has gone the right way. We can't lie. A lot of luck goes into it because, yeah, pokes it in the other corner. It's a goal. No one thinks about it. But then to push it so far away... And, you know, Boric has had his knockers. I know there's certainly online, there's some people that have just been on his back for the last however long since he's been with us. I don't think he's perfect, but I kind of like him. He's mm. quirky. I like quirky goalkeepers. And for whatever reason, he seems real fired up so far this season. Yeah, uh, he parried that away really well. And, well, I mean... It could have been 2-0 before half-time. I mean, he kept us in the game at that point, maybe. But Callum Wilson had a chance one-on-one. -on -one. Is it a confidence thing, Sean? Yeah, like, the best thing about that move was the link-up with King. He's played it, you know, it was a nice pass there. King's got it, lays it back, and he's through one-on-one. Again, credit to the goalkeeper, because he's come out really fast. But it, for me, that's... Once Wilson, Wilson was in the flow of it last season, he was taking opportunities faster than he did in the championship. And I just think at the moment, he's just that extra touch or that little extra thought process. Once he relaxes, just hits one without thinking about it and it goes in the net and he gets that feeling again. I honestly think he'll be up and running. So, yes, he should have stuck it away, but more positive for me 
is the link up with King. Yeah, now uh, that was 1-0 at half-time, and the second half, we're not going to dwell too much about that. But let me just quote from the BBC website. I'm just having a look here. 48 minutes, Crystal Palace offside. 50 minutes, attempt blocked. Uh, 50 minutes, corner, Crystal Palace. 50 minutes again, corner. 51 minutes, corner. Um, corner on 55 minutes. You get where I'm going here. Offside, Crystal Palace, 58. Offside on 63, corner. It was all Crystal Palace. Bournemouth had absolutely nothing. I'm just looking through um it was it was fairly minimal now there were some changes made uh dan goslin came on he uh he came on for jordan ibe and then later on lewis graben uh was introduced and then Ache came on for fraser on 88 minutes but we seem to invite the pressure and in the end the pressure did tell didn't it it did. At times, it reminded me a little bit like when we played Arsenal away last year. You know, with that game where it was like, I mean, that was, there seemed to be an embarrassment of balls bouncing around the box and we conceded for fun and all that stuff. But still, in that game, it was like, oh my God, it's just literally all we can do is clear it out of our own box. And I mean, you know, uh, oh, Gary Chapman sent me a message. He was at the game. What an embarrassing yeah. capitulation in the second half. You know, I mean, it was... I think you've got to give credit to Palace in that they did change this shape a little bit and they did come at us at us a lot more. And I still think with Eddie, I still think there's a bit more conservatism isn't 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 there mm. this yeah. year that I don't think there maybe was as much last year. And I think we are trying to be a little bit more solid. And and you know the, the reality is is we deal with that goal in the 90-whatever-minute better, and we've got a 1-0 win, and we'd all be here going, oh, yeah, it was a little bit dodgy in the second half, but, boy, didn't our defence step up. The fact we conceded, it totally changes everything, and it's like, oh, it's awful, rubbish, get off. You know, it's... I mean, for me, the most disappointing thing about that goal was there was Smith, Graben, and Gosling all around um, the players. It was Benteke and whoever it was that crossed the ball for Palace. Um, None of them... There was three of them. One of them. Come on, man. It's the last minute. You, If there's three there, one of you can go in and make a block. No one did. It was just so easy to lay it up. And then once it's gone into the box, I mean, yes, no one was in front of Dan. Ake was there. Don't really know if it was his man or not. When players, when teams chuck players in the box last minute, it's always frantic. And the kind of systems you have of picking up players goes out the window. So I can kind of see why that happens. But those three players for me, that was not good enough. And then, you know, bang, we could have had three. We walk away with one. Yeah, that's right. It was very unfortunate. And it's it's mad to see the opinions change so quickly on Twitter because you've got, you know, you've got players, uh, sorry, fans who are tweeting saying, uh, oh, you know, this is a great rearguard effort. And then um, you know, two minutes later, they're saying how poor we are. But, you know, it's a good job that we've got some puns to make it all better, isn't it, Sean? So we had we had a few. Robert Murphy tweeted in saying, brave Boric, belatedly beaten by desperate Dan's late leveller. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Made me chuckle. <laughs> Very good. Ross Devonport tweeted in to say, Cherries Dan in by late header after nearly escaping Palace Siege. <laughs> oh, now Ross loves he loves a good long headline, doesn't he? Yeah. If I was a sub-editor for a newspaper and he was right, I'd be like, man, you need to introduce those words. But because it's an audio one, that's good. Ross, Ross, well done. You've stepped up this week. He did, although he did hashtag it weak. So he, he obviously didn't have any faith in his own hashtag. Um, also, we had one from Matt saying, Dan, that last minute goal from Palace as well. So um, that's not bad, is it? Yeah, well done. Well done, people. Yeah. So it's been a very, very eventful seven days with AFC Bournemouth. Sean's going to be in his club news booth in a short while, but first I'm going to give you my online review of the last week in the world of the Mighty Cherries. It's been a very long seven days. I was getting married in Greece and back in Blighty, Bournemouth notched their first win of the season against Morecambe. However, users on Twitter didn't exactly seem convinced of the Cherries' performance. 
Chris Tucker said, sure, some good performances, but before numpties start picking teams, please remember we couldn't keep a clean sheet against Morecambe. Another Chris, Chris ASCB on Twitter said, what worries me is every Morecambe attack was as a result of us doing something ridiculously stupid when attacking. So, with that 2-1 win in the bank, frail that it was, it was on to Saturday. And for many Bournemouth fans, it was the ideal chance to get three points on the table. However, as we all know, it was an agonising draw to Palace who equalised in injury time to share the points. There was a tweet from Miss America who said, On that afternoon, the worst type of pain is not being loved. But Tom Craven on Twitter retweeted it and commented, Well... You've clearly never conceded a 93rd minute equaliser away at Palace. 26 retweets. Nice one, Tom. There were some positives, though, as Ollie said on Twitter. Best performance yet, with the big poles saving us at times. Smith and King were outstanding. Palace, in my opinion, were poor. But Arnold Savoir on Twitter said, I still think Eddie got it wrong with the lineup. Ake is class and needs to be starting. Mousset would have terrified the Palace defence as a sub. And Dom Greenslade on Twitter said, Credit where credit's due. Palace came back strong and definitely deserved the goal. Now aside from these tweets, there was a fair bit of anger on Twitter. The common phrases being brought up. Let's flick to a random one in the book of overused AFC Bournemouthisms. Here we go. Ah, no plan B. Another. Cannot defend crosses. And another. We're sh- Okay, maybe I won't say that one. It was an extremely disappointing result, which was echoed by Peter Bell on Cherry Chimes. However, it did end with a number of positives. He said, One point gives the club a basis. There are signs too that the team are battling better when defending, even if they had to defend too much for long periods against Palace. Being hard to beat is not particularly pretty to watch, but in some ways it's important for AFCB to start getting back to that rather than putting too much emphasis on the gloss of finishing, which will surely improve once the side starts to get some confidence. So as the weekend kicked on, the pain from the two points dropped at Palace subsided and attention was shifting over to the transfer window, where come Monday there were many rumours, some of which involved Graben leaving, Gradle leaving and O'Kane leaving. Now, as it turned out, only one of those was the case, although many over on Twitter wanted it to be two of the three, but let's just leave it there for now. But this transfer window was going to be somewhat of an unknown quantity, because back on August the 18th, Shoot Magazine, that ever-reliable source of 80s football, said... Bournemouth boss Eddie Howe isn't planning to make any major signings before the transfer window closes. So, with that in mind, Wednesday's going to be a bit boring, wasn't it? Oh no. Well, the latest information I have uh, this morning is that Jack Wilshere's five-team shortlist has now gone down to two. Late last night, we were informed that Wilshere was considering season-long loan offers from five clubs, three from the Premier League, that was Watford, Crystal Palace and Bournemouth, also with the option to go to two clubs in Portugal, Sporting Lisbon and Benfica. The latest information that we have this morning is that Wilshire will be choosing between Crystal Palace and Bournemouth. Let's all head down the south coast because it's happened. Jack Wilshire, Bournemouth, deal done. Mark McAdam. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. It's the uh, absolute point where you can get excited. I've literally just been handed this piece of paper. It's fresh off the press. Breaking news. AFC Bournemouth complete the loan signing of Jack Wilshire from Arsenal. Yes, if there was a time that I'd have turned around to you boys and said that Bournemouth were going to sign a player ahead of Roma, AC Milan, teams like that, you'd have probably thought I was going absolutely mad. But <laughs> it's happened today because Jack Wilshire has now just signed on the dotted line and is a Bournemouth player for the rest of the season. So, just very quickly, I just want to do this for Bournemouth. Yes. Getting Jack Wilshere, uh, Wilshere over the line. A fantastic signing to the end of the season. Yep. When you look at all the other clubs, supposedly, that were coming in for him, the fact that Jack has decided to go to Bournemouth and they've got their man, mm-hmm. again, till the end of the season, what a fantastic deal that is for them. Well done, Eddie Howe. Brilliant stuff. 
So this sent the AFC Bournemouth fans absolutely wild. Now, Benekafobe is great friends with Jack Wilshire, and Alex Deutsch picked up on this by saying, I think Benek is enjoying winding the media up. Time to look at other options if Wiltshire isn't happening. We do need one or two more. Tom Jordan says, If Wiltshire goes to Palace, I'll make 30 quid. To Roma, I'll make 70. And if he goes to AFCB, I'll have a party in my pants. Steve Phillips on Twitter said, My son is glued to Sky Sports News. If Wiltshire doesn't happen, he's going to be devastated. Do it for me, please, Jack. And then Phil Sinkinson said, If AFCB signed Jack Wilshire, I'll down three pints and admit to Lee Hardiman that cycling might be a sport for 24 hours. We're waiting, Phil. There were, of course, other tweets from Crystal Palace fans, Roma fans and even AC Milan fans who promised social media, as is the usual way, that they'd eat their own faeces if that happened. Well, what can I say, Italians? Enjoy your dinner. Bellissimo! Will he? Won't he? Wilshire? Sure will. The Cherries made a massive statement in terms of their newfound status as a Premier League club by stealing the headlines on transfer deadline day by signing England star Jack Wilshire on a season-long loan. Rumours circulated the day before that Watford, Crystal Palace... Bournemouth and a collection of European clubs including Roma and Benfica were interested in the player. On the morning of deadline day it appeared it was then just between Palace and the Cherries with the South Coast club snatching the signature to huge excitement amongst fans. Welcome Jack and here's to a great season in red and black. It'll all be okay for Leeds United. As Wilshire arrived, Unan O'Kane was on his way out of the door as the Cherries midfielder moved to Leeds United on a permanent transfer for an undisclosed fee. The Republic of Ireland player had found himself sliding down the pecking order at Bournemouth as players such as Lewis Cook, Jack Wilshire and Nathan Aki joined in the transfer window, so decided to fly the nest to get first team football. O'Kane joined the Cherries in 2012 and played an important part as the Cherries rose out of League One and made a total of 101 appearances for the club. In other outward news, Royce Wiggins, remember him, has gone on loan to Birmingham and Bailey Cargill is heading on loan to Jilly Longball. Uh, are they still called that? Warren Cummings looks forward to turning on the AC on Saturday. No, there's not a crazy heatwave predicted for this weekend, but instead there will be AC Milan in town as they take on the Cherries at Dean Court for Warren Cummings' testimonial. The kickoff time has now been moved to 4pm at the request of the Italians, who are set to field a strong side in this friendly being played during the international break. Cummings has said that Eddie Howe has promised him five minutes on the pitch and he could choose either the first or the last five minutes. Me? I'd always be choosing the last that could pop up with a last-minute winner. Get in! AFC B Club News. Thank you very much, Mr. Barker, for the club news. And uh, I especially enjoyed the deadline day roundup. And uh, you've gone to town again by doing the club news in your slinky little yellow number there, Sean. You just look like Natalie Sawyer off Sky Sports News. You, you're really getting into this, aren't you? Yeah, thanks, Sam. Well, I thought I would get into the spirit. For those that are overseas and maybe don't watch Sky Sports News in the UK, but deadline day, the theme's yellow for whatever reason, they all their banners are yellow. And then the tradition amongst the hosts of the TV show is there'll be a yellow dress, a yellow skirt or a yellow tie. And yeah, I just thought I'd oh, put this yellow number on, but it's, it's getting a little bit, it was from my high school ball. And uh, I'm just going to change back into my Eddie Had a Dream t-shirt. So Sam, you just talk for a sec. Well, it certainly worked for me and it certainly worked for your puns this week as well, Sean. Uh, you know, last week I wasn't here, but I've got to say... 
Well played, well played. However, this week you've done all right. So the first one, will he, won't he? Will sure, sure will. I see what you've done there. You've swapped the syllables around. Nice one. Um, then it'll all be okay for Leeds United. <laughs> very, very good. Um, a little bit simple. Um, and the third and final one. Now, this one I got a bit confused by, actually. Warren Cummings looks forward to turning on the AC on Saturday. Now, when I first heard AC, I thought you meant, you know, as in electricity, AC. But you're talking air conditioning right yeah you do not have air conditioning up there is it is it too cold up there in england do you do you never have air conditioning <laughs> sadly not sadly not <laughs> but no um excellent puns there and well transfer deadline day happened and as we said earlier in the online review at the start of the week there were a few rumours going around, grabbing out on loan, uh, Gradle perhaps uh, going out on loan. Uh, the main incoming signing, though, that took me by surprise. Did it with you, Sean? Yeah, it was. Well, it was one of those that if you're if you're online reading news on Bournemouth all the time, then you see these kind of stories come up and these players' names mentioned and. You can't help but get a bit excited and then you're like, oh, yeah, it's just paper talk or whatever. And then for me, it was um, because of the time difference down here in New Zealand. I went to bed and it was the morning of deadline day. So I'd just seen this news about rumours of Jack Wilshire, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of exciting. But, you know, whatever. Went to sleep, woke up in the morning and then kind of reading the news. I've got Sky Sports News UK on my TV screen and watching it all. And it's like, oh, wow, it's a. Uh, it's actually going to happen. Like we're down to the last two between us and Palace. And then, of course, you start hearing he's on his way and photos of the club. And I mean, it's you you cannot underestimate the size of this signing. I mean, we put out on Twitter, is this the biggest signing since Bournemouth signed George Best? Which, you know, that was quite, I know he was kind of way past his best, but best best but still can't, i can't help but pun um but you know this this is ginormous for the club a current england international he's only 24 which i forget about because it seems like he's been around for ages it's just huge i mean you've just got to commend eddie and the team f- for bringing in a player of this caliber and also showing where we're at as a club i guess yeah, Stu Bramley said on Twitter, he said, you know, what on earth does Eddie Howe say to these players to, to you know, be able to swing them towards little old Bournemouth? Now, <laughs> I saw your tweet uh, on at AFCB podcast talking about what big signings are we going to have? AFCB, Rob came back with John Williams is going to come back to plug the gaps in defence for AFCB, hashtag no, I'm not going to say that hashtag is a bit wrong. Um, Gary Waters said uh, Lee Tomlin weighed in on the big signings front. Thanks very much. Um, it was funny because the Jack Wilshire uh, kind of afternoon, there was a lot of talk. And then is he going to go to Roma? Is he going to choose Palace? Uh, apparently, the Gunners refused to do business with Roma because of the way they handled a potential move for their defender, Costas Monolas, uh, earlier this uh, summer. But um, when it kind of was looking more like AACB, it was just like, Hannah what on earth is going on? Now, Steve Wright on Twitter didn't quite believe it. He said we should save ourselves the hassle and just keep O'Kane. But he himself was a roller coaster of emotions because he said... I'm so excited, but with all his injury problems, I've got doubts. I can't believe as an AFC Bournemouth fan I'm saying this. And then you put out a tweet saying, you know, Jack Wilshire, come and have a chat with us. Steve Wright came back and said, Sean, I think you've just swung this move in our favour with that. It was a roller coaster of emotions just following him. He even said, Jack Wilshire, you know, they're going to have to form a queue because my wife works for the hospital. He's going to be hobbling into the wards, etc. But um, it, it was just a cauldron, wasn't it? And then... When it was announced, I mean, I was absolutely pleased as punch. And even the ones who were quite negative about it online, there are a few people talking about, oh, we're going to be paying him a lot. His injury woes are going to scupper us. But it's a big, big signing. It is. And, you know, yes, he has had injuries. We all know that um, as he's passed his medical and as far as we're aware. I mean, he seems to have just often it just seems he's just had a really bad run of luck. Um, I think with a lot of his injuries, he's just come back and then he gets something else. So 
you kind of yes, that could happen. As I think we talked on Twitter, you know, do you remember when we signed Roger Bolly all those years back, and you thought, wow, is this striker? You know, we've actually signed a proper twenty goal a year striker, and then. He got injured. I think it was his first game, wasn't it? And he hobbled off by the south stand. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, from Eddie's point of view, he said that the, he could be the missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle. I think we struggled. We're getting better in the middle of the park, but we've become kind of one-dimensional in that it's been attacking from the wing and that kind of stuff. And having that little bit of quality there, Rob Frank said that, you know, for him, he sees he sees Wilshire playing like kind of that number 10 position with the two midfielders, be it Sermon, be it Arta, be it Cook or Ake, um, it gives us great options in the middle and a little bit of a different player. If he stays fit, it'll be amazing. If he's not fit, still, he's going to give a lift to the lads. I guess the other kind of news around, there was still a lot of people talking about needing to sign a centre-back and another centre-back. And lots of people know that's the position we need. I don't know. I... I look at it and go, well, you've got you've got Steve Cook, you've got Frano, you've got Mark Wilson, you've got Aki, you've got four players there to cover the two positions. Then you've got Charlie Daniels, Brad Smith, Adam Smith. So yes, you could say we're kind of we're actually a right back light in terms of there's no cover for Smith, but of course Frano shifts to the right. Ake or Wilson coming at centre-back. So the problem would be if we were to lose a few players at one time. Um, I would imagine a Brad Smith could probably fill in on a right-back as well as a left-back. We've seen that happen before with full-backs. So I don't know. People kind of saying about we need that. I don't really agree. I actually think we're okay. I think sorting out our midfield shape to protect our back four was a bigger issue for me than the actual back four themselves. And I think we're sorting that out now with the players that we've brought in. Overall, I mean, you look at the side now, especially because we retained Gradle. Allegedly, Mark McAdams, I think it was, was on Sky Sports saying we rejected a bid from somewhere, rumoured to be from France for Gradle. Again, there was talk about Pew maybe going off, but we've got huge cover across our side. I mean, we should, should, (laughs) he says, be okay now as long as we can start performing get that creativity I think we could have a really good season and kick on from here yeah well of course we got Toro and Mings to come uh, yeah back. of course I sorry I even forgot about Mings again there's another set another centre-back because that's who I think Eddie as he Eddie sees him as and kind of the forgotten man I guess because he was six minutes is all we saw of him but again yeah you're right he comes back there's another centre-back slash left back as well no it's what's everyone on about we've got defenders coming out of our ears yeah. <laughs> well yeah as i said I, I've, we literally just had a tweet in uh, just to wind on back uh sorry to go back but uh wenders has uh tweeted in uh talking about wilshire not my first choice but if he stays fit inspires a phobia and gets others buzzing um and has half the impact as darren anderson had he'd be brilliant yeah i agree with that um will you miss you kane i don't think so i think um uh, i think he did great for us when we were in the lower divisions and i mean we've talked about it before i think there was a period of time when he was our main man wasn't he and he was absolutely bossing the midfield and um i think it's a shame it didn't work out for him because i think he seems like a nice lad and he's been a big part of our story but a bit like with sean mcdonald going as well I think time has shown that just not the right fit for us anymore. It happens. Um, Doesn't in our past, I guess, as a Bournemouth fan, it's rare that we've outgrown the player. It's it's always been the other way round, isn't it? The player has outgrown us and has moved up. Now we're actually kind of saying, "I'm really sorry, mate, but you're not cutting it anymore," which is such a new experience, and it's 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 different for us, isn't it? And it's sad because we get attached to these players because. It is still like a bit of a family at Bournemouth and it's like, oh, it's so sad to say goodbye. But no, totally the right thing needed to be done. Yeah, all the best. Yeah, and uh, just to wind it up, uh, the Cherries have also signed Romanian winger Mihai Dobre, 18 years old from FC Vitorol for their under-21 squad. Interestingly, Sam Surridge has gone out on loan to Poole Town. Uh, He's a decent player, so I don't 
know what the reasoning is between that maybe more com- more regular competitive football perhaps who knows but that completes the deadline day roundup and you know what Sean what's great about it is we're all feeling optimistic again we are and maybe actually this time international breaks I think are normally a right pain in the ass because you kind of get going and then you have to stop again I think for us it gives us a good chance to crack on obviously we've lost some players to the international but still Good bit of hard training. First few games out of the way, come back, all guns blazing. Bring on the baggies. This is Steve Jones and you're listening to Back of the Net. Okay, so there you go, folks. We are almost done. And Sam, I've just got to say, it's great having you back on the show. I missed you. There you go. I said it live on air. I miss Sam. It's good to have him back. And hopefully you felt the same. If you didn't, send it to me and tell me Sam out. And then we'll see if we can uh, get a campaign. But uh, no joking, Sam. Um, No, it's been great. And good to have all the old favourites. Next week with Do You Remember? Ooh, there might be a new host possibly keep your ears open for that but uh when i was uh on my own last week i had to do all that rambling nonsense about some competition or something but thankfully sam is back it's his baby so sam what's your name again sam (laughs) that's it's been one week tell me all about it okay so predictor score is the brand new fun competition from back of the net and it gives you the chance to win great afc bournemouth related prizes as well as taking part in a fun weekly competition all you need to do is predict the score of the next afc bournemouth game the first scorer as well as the minute of the first goal now if you register you can register up until the middle of september after the west brom game if you register you're in with a chance to win our exclusive money can't buy well it kind of can sean will tell you about that in a minute the eddie has a dream t-shirt you'll just have to predict 25 matches over the course of the season and uh, yeah get involved it's on our website it's www.afcbpodcast.com forward slash predict and it's really great to have you involved on the show now as you probably know we are a free to download podcast we're the only one around and we produce it from the goodness of our hearts sean slaves away over his recording equipment every week during the season so do i just want to say if you find value in listening to our show you may consider a small donation uh, it just helps to pay for equipment hosting uh, telephone calls recording software stuff like that it, honestly we would really appreciate if you can spare a few quid and kisses to you if you can if you want to do it it's afcbpodcast.com forward slash donate yeah it would be um, really great thank you we've been we've been doing the show now for uh, for ages what are we on episode 17 um, yeah, really getting great number of listeners and whatnot. It's just, yeah, it does take time and we're trying to keep the show as professional as we can and have some new features and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's about 10 hours a week between us and it's a lot of time. So uh, we knew what we were getting into, of course, and we're loving it. But, yeah, if you can help, one way you can help, which would be really great, is the Eddie Had a Dream T-shirt. So go to the website. You can see the T-shirt. It's a great form of T-shirt. It's black. It's got Eddie Had a Dream in it and the logo and all that stuff. It looks really cool. You can buy the T-shirt just by buying the T-shirt. That actually helps us financially to keep the show going. And I was thinking about it, what I'd love. If you buy one, the first person that gets spotted on TV at a Bournemouth game wearing an Eddie Had a Dream T-shirt will get something special from me and Sam. I'm not sure what yet, but we'll have some kind of special prize. The first one, I have to see it because obviously I can never be at the game. So I'm watching them all from here in New Zealand. The first time I see, and you can tweet us in if you get a screenshot, and I'm happy to replay it and look at it nice and clear. If I can see the T-shirt, special special prize. But yeah, please do consider that. You can get it on the website. It's not that much to buy, and you'll look really cool. Um, but otherwise, um, yeah, follow us on Twitter at afcbpodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash AFCB podcast, or just search back of the net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast, um, so you can keep in touch with us in those ways. 
Yeah, we don't mean to sound like an audio version of Wikipedia. Every time I go on Wikipedia, it's always got a banner at the front, you know, donate now, donate. We don't want to be, but honestly, it really helps. Now, you're listening to Back of the Net, but you may not know that you can listen in loads more ways. So tell your friends about it. If you've got some AFC Bournemouth fans or some Cherries fans who, who maybe want some more content, just, yeah, let them know. Send them a text. Tell them our website address. Now, you can listen via iTunes. So that's on your iPod or iPhone or iPad. Just go into iTunes and download it there. You can listen via Mixcloud. And they've got an app too for iPhone and Android. We're also on YouTube as well, so press subscribe. We're on the TuneIn Radio app. We're on Acast. If you've got a Windows phone, you can listen there or subscribe via RSS on your connected TV. I could go on, but there are loads of ways to listen. But do tell your friends. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. We really do appreciate your ears, both of them, or maybe just one if you're of a single earbud variety listener. Whatever, we don't mind. We don't care. One ear, two ear. It's all the same to us. Um, We will be back after the West Brom game. So there is no kind of preview as such for the for the West Brom game because international break, there could be injuries and it's kind of too hard to predict other than, oh, well, obviously we need to give a score prediction, Sam. And I'm going to go rip roaring 3-0 victory. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. 2-0 for me, Sean. 2-0. To who? To AFC Bournemouth, Yes. Well, there you go, folks. We're leaving on an optimistic note. So we will be back, yeah, in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. Enjoy whatever you're doing during the break. Maybe even try and enjoy an England international game. (laughs) See you in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. I forgot about that bit. Good ball from Townsend, inviting Henderson to go on, and he's got three for company. Adam Lalana's back here. Here's Jack Wilshire! Oh, I might just be better than the first one! Smashed out by Wilshire! What about this? Hey, listen, he's took responsibility tonight from the first whistle in pinching the ball back for his team, in trying to get him on the front foot going forward, in making the numbers up and getting up in the box, in and around the edge of the 18-yard box. Wow, that's a stunning strike. Really is a fabulous goal that. He deserves it. He's been England's best player. Sports Social Podcast Network.